Hello, and welcome back to Culinary Crash Course. Um, <laughs> I'm your host, Cor Pomeroy, and today is Kitchen Talk with Eli and special guests Ruben and Jonah. And today, the topic is going to be our journey so far through the culinary industry. So, uh, everybody say hi real quick. Hey, what's up? Howdy. How you doing? So, I'm going to start with uh kind of where i started and where i'm at now and then i'll hand it off uh to eli and jonah and ruben so i my first kitchen job ever was at ruby tuesdays (laughs) and i was uh hired on as a garden bar specialist which is like a weird title it's like a fancy title for something that was literally like i chop lettuce and cut other things and stock the garden bar with salad things which, um, it was an interesting job. Uh, there were some customers that were really weird and would demand things stocked on the garden bar and whatnot. And I mean, sometimes it was fast paced. Sometimes it was sort of like whatever of a job. I would also work a little bit on the line as well. As I got more curious, uh, at that restaurant, I would like, they would heat stuff up and whatnot. Uh, I worked a little bit on the line. Which was which was really fun. I know I wasn't supposed to say Ruby Tuesdays, but you know I don't really have anything bad to say about Ruby Tuesdays. So it was a, it was a pretty decent job, and there was nothing really wrong with it. And since then, uh, I've started culinaries. I've almost finished my associate's degree in culinary management, and I currently work at a modern French kitchen uh, called Rue Saint Marc. They're okay with me name dropping them. And uh, the type of food that I make now is, like, leagues above where I started. Absolutely. Um, I went from filling a garden, uh, filling a salad bar to now I'm creating dishes and uh, actually, like, plating food properly and everything. And people are paying $85 for a five-course meal. And it's really awesome. So I'm going to go ahead and hand it off to Eli. Yeah, my first job was uh, working at Panera Bread. I uh, started out as a busser, kind of working around in the dining room area, just cleaning tables, and then I think, like, running food. Uh, I can't remember what I moved on to, like, next, but I know I eventually just started working, like, the line there, doing sandwiches, salads, and uh, being a cashier. I prefer, personally, uh, just from the experience, uh the line work as opposed to uh the customer service work um so i got to do that i got to do some overnight inventory shipping there uh i went from there to firebirds as a guest assistant kind of being a food runner almost and doing that like uh I didn't mind doing it. I thought it was fine, but really, like, we just got paid so cheap and so shit. Like, we'd get paid basically, I think, like, five an hour, and then you'd get tipped out, but our tip out was just kind of ass sometimes. So, like, you could walk out of there basically making, like, uh, minimum wage or maybe, like, barely above that. So it's just kind of shitty. Some days you could have a good day, but I wasn't really about it. So I went from there to a sandwich shop making sandwiches, and then... Had to move here. Had to stop working because of COVID and then moved here. Oh, wow. Uh, for me, I worked at 
a little tourist spot in Daytona that I don't think still exists because of one of the hurricanes that destroyed the area a couple years back. But I did dish and prep at the same time there. And then it was just like a little quick come in place. You had your catch of the day and everything. Your stereotypical like beach restaurant-y kind of thing to now we like 10 years later i've been in the industry so long now i'm working at a place where it's like 80 dollars an entree super presentation focused luxury experience and all that and it's it's just been a wild ride i've gone through from like tourist spot to fast casual to breakfast diner stuff to now and then uh yeah and that's that's me now and here's reuben so i started with uh we'll go barbecue it's tex-mex then breakfast i worked at the same winery with jonah and then uh that high-end uh or higher-end uh Luxury. Luxury. I don't know if it's like, I wouldn't call it fine dining, but it's right. definitely. It's not Michelin star, but it's up there. Yeah. Um, and now I'm in a, we call it modern casual. Yeah. I would, so, yeah. I would say that that place was more of like a, you paid for the experience rather than the food. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, of course that's still an interesting side of the restaurant industry. Um, but in that order, in the same uh chronologically i went like busser uh and then next job was cook and dishwasher next job was literally everything i started in the i started as a busser uh then cook and then as a cook occasionally you do those dish shifts because uh and then that's where i first started serving just on uh like monday mornings uh, at that breakfast place, uh, the winery, I started in the kitchen and then moved up front and then same thing at, uh, this, uh, this high end place. Now I just serve at this modern casual. It's real, uh, American, (laughs) (laughs) um, I don't know, bar food, but you can, you can get a decent bottle of wine and uh a really interesting scotch if you're really in the mood um what would which which out of those places which place do you think tipped out the best Hmm. since you're Uh, in the front of house and a lot of us really haven't worked the front of house much pretty easily uh the place where we all met you know Uh, okay (laughs) um quality over quantity kind of deal yeah it's uh i mean it's so easy to get your price point per person up there just by selling that ten dollar side of fries right yeah the it's definitely that place if you were really good at selling things to people you could easily get like your yeah. um, dollar amount per check up um i mean sell the right bottle a full course meal um i mean from appetizer to dessert um a couple sides and you can get up to five hundred dollars a person and that five hundred dollar a person is a hundred dollar tip in your pocket 
from one person. It's usually a dinner for two that you would see that. Like, right. Because they didn't have very it. many tables that could take more than like a, a six top. Yeah. We, I mean, we discouraged it, but it people still, still want it. Yeah. People still want it. So in a situation like that, I mean, I know, I want to say if it was eight or if it was nine or more, they would uh, assign two servers to it. But uh, otherwise, a party at uh, at a place where you, where you can run checks up that much uh, is easily a two hundred dollar tip in your pocket. Oh yeah, absolutely. And next, I wanted I wanted you and Jonah to talk about your experience working at brunch places because uh, I've never really worked for a breakfast place, and I just loved it. I would love to hear like your experience whether it was like the positive stuff the negative stuff um well i guess i'll start first he this was like pre-covid he got me the job there and i think the hardest aspect for the most part especially because him and i were both working two jobs is waking up at like the crack of dawn (laughs) and having to be at work at like what was it like five in the morning because they open at six yeah um i mean it was it was ridiculous uh i still wake up early as shit all the time like i don't always get up but i always i never sleep past 6 a.m because by then you'd be late and kind (laughs) of like fucking fucked you know because you gotta make 20 trays of bacon Along with right three, by gotta, seven o'clock, you got to pre-crack like three cases of, of eggs. eggs. <laughs> after I left, I couldn't eat like eggs for a year just because the smell of them. I was just like, Ugh. Uh, you got to you know unthaw like twelve different Damn. kinds of uh, or twelve loaves of bread. Eat you know white whole grain. Your uh, it's oddly enough brioche. Very prep intensive. Oh, so much prep. Right, because breakfast food is not only like cheaper than lunch food or dinner food, but you you also like when you think of a breakfast plate, you kind of think of like ooh, a pile of eggs, a pile mm-hmm. of hash browns, some pancakes, some toast. Yeah, you got eggs, potatoes. People are getting bigger portions for yeah, fruit. Um, for a much cheaper price than like dinner so it's all as an entree or you know as as your main course you know and they just eat and drink so much of it and so often we also we also had the like specialty juices yeah so you'd have to like there was there was a poster that was laminated of the order that you had to put the stuff through the juicer. Oh, wow. Because if you did beets or anything like really heavy colored, you would be doing like carrot ones afterwards and it would be still, still beet red, red. Yeah. still beet red. And then that thing was a terrifying thing to clean afterwards. <laughs> you're, you're, you're essentially, you're coming in early in the morning at like five prepping and then also at the end of the shift you're closing it and you're closing down the restaurant at the I, same time yeah well what was like during the week the worst day had to be like sunday right absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, we all prepared for sunday for the whole week right uh we just prepared to be wiped out of all product on sunday we get our produce back on monday <laughs> and i don't know 
Like, when I, I, I worked at a place that did do brunch, and it was just on Sundays, and um, I never cooked any of it, but just seeing everybody so stressed out for that day every single week, I was, like, there, I was dishwashing and prepping, and, like, just seeing everyone stressed out, and, like, at one point, somebody, like, threw, I remember they threw, like, a plate into the, into the (laughs) dish pit, like, this is when I was younger, and I used to get, like, I would get pretty mad at people, I remember when they threw that, I was like, I'm not washing any of those bowls until they come, until they come back and they apologize for throwing that bowl like that angry into the fucking dishwasher. You gotta, you gotta respect the dish crew because they are doing like the the worst part of the kitchen industry. And it's essentially like, it's like when I spent my time in the military, it was like, you didn't piss off the dude that cooked your food or like did your medical stuff because you know why why piss off as a cook the guy that's going to clean your utensils it helps you get out faster right and uh but like the station that that person worked on that through that dish was like the omelet station so. oh yeah no that whew, that mm, eggs benedict <laughs> egg station <laughs> terrible oh, no. um but like like, that day was so stressful at that place I worked at that the kitchen manager every Sunday was just drunk right before service <laughs> every single Sunday. You could tell it. He was just... He would get drunk he because he knew that he was about to go yeah. through hell. I I feel like, personally, <laughs> I've... Since I've worked the breadth of the industry, aside from, like, the more Michelin and fine dining stuff, working a brunch shift at a, like, breakfast place is the first time that when it's all done the whole kitchen is a disaster and the only thing i want is like two beers right for for sure i think uh definitely there's times where work is just like that's what makes me uh need to go home and crack one open oh yeah i've i've definitely had my days too where i want to crack one open at the place that i work at currently um i think it was this past saturday was like our busiest busiest saturday uh that i've worked so far and uh i want you to just give me a guess as to how many covers you thought there were i'd spitball let's say like 700 91 <laughs> huh? 91 91 and, it was, and oh. that was busy yeah i mean it is a small it's, place right? yeah it's yeah. a small place we don't really go we push for a hundred but like i will i will tell you right now i've worked at you know the place that we've all worked at where we have like 300 400 covers on saturday sometimes and that's just for dinner um yeah. and i've worked at roost chris where they've had like close to a thousand sometimes jesus mm-hmm. I mean, and i will tell you those 91 covers felt as busy as 300 and oh. the reason for it is just because it's a different type of busy you know Instead of me just putting a salmon on a plate for like twenty plates, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're you're for twenty doing... plates. We're like, okay, we're gonna fire ten, uh, ten uh, tasting beef. So like, I have to get two carrots for each of those beefs ready. Um, we have to make sure that we have enough carrot puree for the plates. We have to make sure that we have, you know, he's now from the beef being rested. Now he's flashing it. I have to get my sets ready. We have 10 plates out there. And the way that the setup goes is like, we put the puree down and then we put the, the meat and then we put the carrots and then we put the, 
with the soca on another plate and then the you get the, the yogurt you're busting sauce. out the forceps to put the right. microgreens that this exact yeah area. we're putting the sauce on the soca and then the beef on top of that and then we're putting these little red microgreens on top of that with the julienne radish and then on the beef plate we got to sauce it up with the bone marrow and the the spring onion oil and all that stuff it's a different type of busy yeah. it almost feels the same it's just like at that other place it's like salmon lemon parsley let me by. let me roast three chickens yeah. four steaks five fish and you selling three tickets at the same time and i mean when uh ruben and i worked at the same winery they were even busier than the, the upscale place we currently work at we were pushing like 600 500 a night open on thanksgiving with the with a thanksgiving menu and then the same menu open at the same time some of my worst shifts were those thanksgiving shifts yeah, pe- people are getting like the thanksgiving dinner but someone at the same table wants their uh seared ahi tuna <laughs> entree and it's yeah. just like so i was gonna ask what what it was like how what was the line made up of at that place like how many people did you have the the breakfast place or the winery the winery the winery we and then, had, and then talk about the breakfast place we had a like 12 ish right? it depended 12. on how busy it was there was essentially what th- four stations yeah but each thousand. station had essentially like two to three two stations to three. in it mm-hmm. so their pantry slash garmage was essentially you had salads then you had flatbreads and and then you had desserts and on peak service eventually we had people that were good enough that we were running it with two people but there Mm -hmm. were times where you needed three Mm -hmm. that were pushing it you had the fry station which was also like you had (laughs) they would get three on that station they'd get three yeah on a saturday you have you have sushi you have the griddle itself and then you have fries but frying wow. it was also you had like uh, fish and chips, calamari, like yeah, a lot of the menu was all over. Then they the had seafood came off off the fry station. Yep. Yeah, and how was well, the like how was the uh, plating process? Uh, uh, that's why you needed that third person. Yeah, that third <laughs> that third person for the most part mm-hmm. would be plating on Garmage. Essentially, each station did its own plating, mm-hmm. whereas like. You work in the fry, broil, or their saute section. There was essentially one person that was getting the plates ready for everything. Doing, like, this is where the sauces are. This is where, like, the the coal, the Asian-style coleslaw went for the egg rolls. They, yeah, it, it was... Was there any like, microgreens or anything like that? Involved? No, that was, there was no... no okay. Garnish wasn't really that big of a... A deal like there was small stuff right. yeah, like there was there it, was definitely an order to it and i'll give it credit more than uh the place right. we all worked at you know like we we had sides i called them out for being unoriginal because half the time it was potatoes or cabbage um but i i don't know I <laughs> right and then you work at the next place and yeah. it's just french fries <laughs> yeah. potatoes. Yeah. um i understand you know that's just how the industry is you know to be cost effective and uh yeah and i absolutely agree with that and the current place i'm working at we kind of uh use vegetables that are in season like we just went through our romanesco uh recently which is like this cool brock this cool broccoli like vegetable that has like the golden um ratio in it Mm -hmm. It's, it's like trippy to look at 
and it finally went out of season now because and you could tell because when we got them in there was more brown spots on it and it was like okay well we're not gonna order this anymore because it's obviously out of season now yeah. the quality is not gonna be as good so we take it off the menu we go through what we have and then we figure out another dish or another way to do things or what's in season now and salmon is about to be in season a certain salmon so soon we might be getting or adding salmon to the menu possibly because that's supposed to be in season now and we are using a lot of fava beans which are in season because of spring so we're using a lot of green on plates and like nice spring colors and it's really cool to just see that you know in a place where they're constantly thinking about like what's in season and what's out of season whereas like a lot of those other places it's like it doesn't matter they're so, just getting it from the same purveyor yeah at the so same quality I'm, I'm actually a little bit jealous of you because i worked at a place that when i astaged mm-hmm. and did my interview they uh made it seem like i was we were going to be working in that kind of place right uh which is where i worked with uh jace and then your uh, mutual friend sarah of yours yeah yeah i know that, what i was talking about i've heard uh, horror stories from her yeah it was it was <laughs> like it was on that adventure it was the only good thing about it is it was but they had a multiple amount of ingredients and it was very slow to the point that I learned more cooking just by the time that we could like fuck around and right and and, and do stuff but I'm jealous cuz I wanted that experience that you're getting now right and they didn't they, they didn't, didn't properly they, give they it to you they didn't they was like this the uh, the Italian place yes that is okay. the Italian place <laughs> yeah I've I've heard that like it gets very busy in there and I've heard about like it can i've heard about like how all the stations kind of worked and how the chefs wouldn't listen to anybody when it comes to advice on anything to put it if we had 90 reservations we would par cook uh let's say like 50 steaks to rare and then set them aside right and cook them up from that because they were worried how long it would take to cook the steaks granted these were like uh, hanger steaks, the really thin ones. Why are they cooking that? <laughs> yeah, okay. why? Yeah. First off, exactly. Anytime I've ever cooked hanger steak, or anybody's ever cooked hanger steak, we marinate it and then we cook it off to a certain temperature, and we don't yep. mess with it from there. Yep, exactly. And we we tried telling them that, and it was it was a bad time. Did they marinate it? I don't quite remember. Uh, that whole place was like. I worked at... Like, I just feel like hanger steak just isn't made for, like, like regular steaks where you're made to cook it to a certain temperature, and I don't know. Like, I've worked in Maybe the... Maybe I'm wrong. I've worked in the most, like, casual dining thing, similar to, like, Olive Gardens and stuff, and my... That Italian place was by far the worst place, far worse than the, the breakfast place him and I worked, Ruben and I worked at together. <laughs> it was it was that bad right oh yeah i would love to segue into like how the line was at their breakfast place they they ran a helm kitchen which is the first and last time i've ever worked in that kind of style right and essentially what it is is you have the person like all the way on the end of the line that gets the ticket printouts and they call it out and you're just supposed to remember what they said which 
it well, works for like slower yeah. days but when you hit that sunday brunch and oh. they're calling like six eggs six different this, egg styles nine, nine. you i don't know how you kept up with that with with the helm working at egg station uh-huh. i could barely keep up with the salads because i i didn't stay there long enough to like work the right. full extent of the line I was going to say, at my current place, um, I don't really touch the ticket board much. It's usually whoever's working middle that touches it, especially on the weekend. And they just call stuff out to me, and then I make it. And then, yeah. I mean, it's kind of how it works there. I can always turn around and look at the tickets if I want to. but So um, I was going to ask, is yours work more brigade style? Um, they call it out, and you still get like tickets and such? Kind of like the more... I Gar- like to say the Ratatouille-esque thing. <laughs> Garmage gets their own tickets, and Hot Apps gets their own tickets. But if it's really busy Hot Apps, you can't really pay attention to the tickets because they just keep out. And you kind of pay more attention to middle calling out like what apps they need. I need So they'll be like, I need three tasting pastas, two menu, uh, shrimp, and whatever else. And then you make it from there. Hot apps gets very swamped very fast, and I'd say Garmage can get pretty swamped. I work entremet, which means I pick up sets and I make all the vegetables and the purees and things for the plates. Um, and then the, so you have like Garmage, entremet, middle uh, roast, which is where all the steaks and fish are cooked, and mm-hmm. then you have um, hot apps, which we have like a fryer which we barely use. I think right now the only thing we use it on the menu for is our pythons and the octopus, and that's it. And then uh, Hot Apps does pastas and other like uh, hot appetizers, of course. And Hot Apps will get swamped pretty easily because it's kind of hard to plate 10 pastas with all the different like s- sauce swoops. Mm-hmm. And other like garnishes that go around it and like the artichokes and all these different vegetables. So like usually we'll have like a float person now. Now that I work there and we have we were able to have like one, two, three, four, four, five, six people on the line. Mm -hmm. We have a middle and then we'll have somebody who floats and they'll float in between stations that need help. And hot apps is definitely one of those stations where like you're gonna get swamped and you're gonna need help. Cause it's hard to plate ten plates with all the different intricate things that go on it while also cook trying to cook the shrimp to perfection and the pasta to perfection and put it in the sauce and everything but didn't you say there's only like five cooks in your kitchen yeah there's six of us <laughs> and the chef of course which i guess makes it that makes it seven yeah i don't know uh that that makes sense to why like the ratio of like 91 feels like that 300 yep. when there's only oh yeah there's only a handful of y'all and your menu is so involved but i was thinking like so since people order i don't know not like in bulk but they order preset courses so so the they used to i was gonna say uh what were we gonna ask first sorry i mean i i was gonna ask like how that feels on a nightly basis versus like what prep looks like but go ahead and uh, okay so during the week uh we offer a la carte to people so they can or we have an a la carte menu that's different from our tasting menu some of the sets uh, usually the sets for the menu are different from the sets for the tasting um but we have a menu that's a la carte and they can order that on the weekdays but on the weekends we do not offer a la carte we will only offer prefix course Mm -hmm. menus and then the five course tasting 
So you can either get a prefix or a tasting on the weekends, just because if you add a la carte in there, a la carte ends up getting shoved to the side. And they wanted to get rid of that problem, so they were like, well, we're no longer going to add a la carte to the menu on the weekend because, you know, it just kind of messes with the flow yeah. of things. And it affects the experience of, like, oh, the yeah, diners absolutely. on the inside. That's, the, that's another reason why, like they also do that is because like things that get shoved to the side and we don't do much to goes either yeah we maybe do once one once a week then two questions so then how does um uh well uh, essentially or how so how often does your menu change or okay how often do they so changes so the a la carte menu doesn't change too often it'll change with the seasons and stuff like our salad has changed a bit now because of the different seasons we wanted a more spring feeling to our salad yeah, so we so changed the dressing like three month period ingredients like a, something like that it's yeah, like, like i'd say the menu the menu stuff changes let's say like yeah like once a month or something once, but okay. the tasting menu will change as chef changes it which can be sometimes next week sometimes next two weeks It'll change a, something on the tasting. And it'll either be like a set changes for the protein or the protein completely changes. Like at one point our tasting was just like you got a tasting halibut or grouper, but now it's just monkfish. And then um, instead of doing a tasting lamb, we now do a tasting beef. Um, things like that. And they will change. They those The tasting menu changes pretty often. Sometimes I'll have a day off and I'll come in and they'll be like, oh, okay, so this thing changed. And blah blah blah, but it's but it's never like you you get like two or three days off. You come in and it's like oh yeah. By the way, none of the stuff you learned the last month, <laughs> it's gone. Yeah, no. And a lot of uh, uh, a lot a good amount of it, like whenever it changes, sometimes like the um, technique that we're using to make certain things won't change. Like a lot of our purees are very similar in the technique that you use to make them. And they don't have, so the thing that, you know, restaurants usually have is they have a binder of recipes. Yeah. yeah. The only person, people at my work who have every single recipe we have is my chef and my sous chef. So whenever you make something that you need a recipe for, you ask them, they'll send it to you. Or you can ask somebody else who may have already made it or they had them make it and then they'll tell you how they made it. So... A lot of things I have to kind of either have in my phone or remember off the top of my head. And I'm starting to remember things off the top of my head, like how to make a Reblanc, how to make a Savion, things like that. And it's really cool, honestly. It's, it's the type of cooking I really wanted to go for. Yeah, I was going to say earlier you said, uh, you know, a busy night for y'all was like 90-something covers Yeah. Uh, compared to like a 300-cover night. But you said it's it still feels like you're still doing as much work. Do you prefer that, where it's like what you're doing is more complex, I guess? So it yeah. feels more one table feels like more work than like one I, table. I definitely think so because my first time staging there, they didn't one they didn't make me close, which is like <laughs> kind of unheard of. Yeah, yeah. But they I'd also, yeah, <laughs> after my shift. They fed me horses. 
and gave That's me wine. Yeah, they yeah, paired wine with it too. They they were trying to sell you on that place so bad. They're like, "Oh, this man's a culinary student. He's got a real <laughs> good. Stay. He got the chops. Please stay. We need you." No, well, I was I was honestly hoping that they liked me enough to offer me the job because I was worried that like you know they'd be like, "Eh, not strong enough" or something. But I wasn't too worried. But um, when they fed me the courses and I was eating the food and just tasting all of the different purees and flavors that go together with the food, just made the experience just so much better, you know. Because you're no longer just eating a, a honey butter salmon with a lemon on a plate. <laughs> a lemon and a parsley leaf. <clears throat> not not to not the you know not the shit talk. The other places I've worked at, because that place, you know, the people were very nice to me, and I, I love them a lot. It it has its place, but it's like what what you're right. talking about. What is, I'm go, it's just it's not what I want. For, it, not what I'm going for in my career. When when you get to the place where you're at that level it's more it's less about i'm hungry it becomes more this is like a science and an art put together it is an experience for your like taste buds and stuff and i definitely think i prefer it just because like i know that like when those people try those foods like i can and i work in an open kitchen i can see their faces i can see them talking to each other about like oh man this is really good or wow i've never had this before and it's delicious and yeah, we work with a lot of different ingredients and stuff that i've never even heard of i'm still trying to set aside time and money if i could take my girlfriend there because you you sold me on it it's it's changed no, a lot i've how, heard how long are you t- having the monkfish again <laughs> like yeah when, when for real dude the monkfish is delicious like i don't know what it is but like when we when i slice it in half i don't know if we have any monkfish right now but, um, like, it looks like pork almost when you slice it in half. That's, that's I've never had it, but, you know, it's legendary, so. Yeah. That's wild. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a cool experience so far. And, um, like I told Jonah earlier, my chef at my school told me that, like, once I learn all the stuff here at the place I'm at, my only logical next step would be to work at a Michelin star place. Yeah. Which I agree. Um, so, I wanted to... So you guys have worked at, you know, not only like brunch places and things like that, um, but you guys have worked different casual jobs. Yeah. Like, what would you say out of those like casual jobs, what the like busiest, like, cause like think places like tropicals, like, like, you know, or, the, 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 the smoothie place i worked at yeah <laughs> but like places that are like smoothie places in panera i want to understand like how busy is the day is there slow times like it's, you guys don't really get told what covers you have you know well of course there's slow times but like at panera for example uh we would get pretty busy but for their establishment i don't know if it's because they're a chain or just what they do they would always have enough people employed which was one thing that was always nice so it was Mm -hmm. like you know the more business there was it just seemed like the more people they would have on so they would have like one line uh usually open and then they had a whole second duplicate line of the same two stations to where if it gets busy they open that up Two people come onto that and make the same thing, and orders start uh, 
splitting between lines instead of going to one. So, like, they're ready to get busy. Like, they're prepared for it. Right. And so it's never, like, terrible, I don't think. But I think uh, they were one place for me that, like, would get that I have worked one of the only places I have worked that would uh, get busy in the morning a lot right a lot more frequently than like where I work now so like uh, I don't know you could be working morning and since they offer breakfast like it could be pretty busy that day you know oh yeah absolutely morning shift like the uh, the, the smoothie place it was more based on like the temperature outside okay we we did serve food but essentially what it was is you know you have the uh i, I don't know what a pmex I, I don't know the word to, to, but it's like a list of like how the sales have been so they would pull it up and you could generally be like oh it's a friday we're going to need a lot of stuff for the most part but a lot of the stuff came in like you know pre-cooked and everything and you're essentially just reheating it or it's kept in a hot well for food and then you know we have cases and cases of fruit that get prepped and stuff in the mornings but you have like two people two to three people on the smoothie side and then typically two people on uh the food area and then one person running the cash register and then depending on the day you would have like a float person that just ran around and grabbed stuff or bailed people out okay but once you hit the winter time you know <laughs> even for you know if you live in the tropical areas like winter quote unquote right people are not going to get a smoothie, smoothie at like it's 60 degrees out they're gonna drink their <laughs> like ice cold smoothie which still happened we would get the like crack at dawn you'd have those people that are like i'm getting my healthy smoothie I'm first thing in the morning kind of deal but i mean it's it was more bulk it's not labor intensive in the sense that it's like uh you know you're you're sauteing stuff and thing like that and you have to do it in a certain amount of time it's just i have to make like 50 smoothies in the next 10 minutes okay and you only have four blenders. Damn. Um, so at that breakfast place, we would get uh, reservations because I hosted there too. I imagine um, you did, uh, for like a pop-up breakfast place, you'd have to get reservations. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know uh, if... Or you're even, waiting three hours out the door. Yeah. Um, Especially people, on Sundays. Yeah, on Sundays is when we would like actually be like waiting. Me personally, for, wouldn't wait three hours. Uh, you'd be surprised at how many people would wait an hour for yeah. some breakfast. Um, but They'd be hangry. But before that, there was a, the Tex-Mex place where... Mm. Um, so I mentioned the breakfast place because we could uh, count on moving basically all our product on Sunday. Okay, um, yeah. This Mexican place, we had Taco Tuesdays. So Tuesday was the day that everybody was working. You couldn't get off Tuesdays. <laughs> uh, stay there the latest it would be balls to the wall there was no reservations there it was just people just coming in lining coming. up yeah. and tacos are not hard to make you know but and they don't take long so but you make like 130 yeah, of them 130 of them in in an hour you know just like ridiculous like people like 
if they if there's nowhere to sit, you know, you're taking it to go. Like there was no limit to how many tacos we were selling on Taco Tuesday. Right. Um, wasn't even the greatest deal. Like it wasn't even that cheap, if I remember correctly. I like the Thursday burritos better. Uh, that might give away <laughs> where where I was working, but um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I was still that was my second restaurant job, um, but the first one I cooked at. So um, it's also the reason I got into the breakfast place. It was like they knew I could handle that uh if it wasn't a constant push at least once a week there would be that push where that they slam. needed an, yeah an actual cook to make sure that uh i mean we did cook steak sorted temp we didn't do rare because it was like not the greatest cuts you, can't you know quality yeah. Yeah. check that um, yeah but you know you'd medium or well and um you know people would send it back <laughs> it was in there right it back if they got well done steak on it and they wanted medium um Oh, uh, speaking of like meat that like you can't cook to like safely to temp or whatever. So at my work, I didn't know about this sciency thing, but like we use a lot of like xanthan gum there, but there's also something else that we use and I can't remember what it was called, but it's basically meat glue. <laughs> what? Like, so when we do our we do our chicken our chicken is like cornish hen but like cornish hen breasts aren't that i don't know if it's i'm here it's cornish hen or some sort of hen but like their breasts aren't that big and we want to offer our guests you know a bigger portion for an a la carte menu so we put the breast together onto one breast using the glue or whatever and we sous vide it and of course you can reliably cook chicken to 165 and both those breasts are going to be completely fine. Nothing's going to be raw because we sous vide it, you know, beforehand and everything. And we make sure it's cooked and crispy and cooked to temp and shit's juicy. But apparently my chef told me that this method can be used in a bad way. And that there are people who will take cheap cuts of meat and glue them together to make like a bigger steak using the meat glue thing. That, oh. And... My yeah, chef is like money, 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 money. Right, those, pe- <laughs> <laughs> those people are literally like doing the one thing you're not supposed to like. You know, because when you cook a burger, you don't want a rare burger because like burgers are grinded and the yeah. insides become the outside, or the outsides become the inside. Yeah, you're literally doing that with the steak when you do that. You're literally making the outside the inside, and now when you cook that steak to rare, you cannot promise that guest that that is gonna be okay to eat. I mean, I talking about like I guess temperature. Uh, this is a story from my older brother uh, when we lived in Daytona. Mm-hmm. He worked at another uh, tourist spot in Daytona. I, I think I can name drop this. It's nothing bad. Uh, <laughs> the Ocean Deck, which okay. has like a well-known sauce or whatever. I guess that they. I think it's been on hot ones, but. Um, a guy kept sending back, I don't know if it was a steak or like ground beef or something, because it wasn't rare enough. And eventually he basically told his server that he wanted raw Ugh. ground beef. And they had to like go in the office and print out like a document basically saying, if you if you consume this and you get sick, we're not liable because this is right. what you're asking for. And the dude, like, it was that you 
you guarantee I guarantee you the the cooks when they saw that get served were kind of like peeking out of the kitchen <laughs> like damn this dude's actually eating this just, god pinching it off just <laughs> he, dude apparently the plate came back clean that is oh, <laughs> um, I don't understand people sometimes man and the man was like I want beef tartare yeah. but I I don't want to pay like fifty dollars <laughs> he said less than blue. Uh, yeah, that's just Jeez. yeah. Um, so um, going back on the topic of our journeys, um, I wanted to know, like, I want to hear your guys's like worst horror stories, like one at a time. Can I? Can I start? Sure. Uh, so I uh. This this is going back to the Italian place that I worked at with the friend of ours, Jason Tara. Yeah. Um, I had already uh, essentially gotten the interview to move on to the place where you and I met and we all worked together. Yeah. Um, And I had put in my two weeks notice. There was prior drama just with management and stuff. We were running our their seasonal menu which was essentially like a bastardized version of how yours is seasonal <laughs> right which is another thing i could go into but i i'm sure if you do an episode with jason sarah they'll they'll talk about it right uh we had mussels which if you've ever prepared mussels they need to be like purged it needs to be a certain amount of time and the salinity and everything it was near the end of the night uh i had told them that we were out of portions or uh and all of that and that we should probably 86 it like we were with the, the store was going to be closed in like 15 20 minutes and right. the sous chef at the time uh was like oh i'll just purge them off really quick and i was like we'll be closed by the time it's done purging properly and everything and he was like no i'll do it i'll do it and everything and he ran back and came back with a uh, portion of mussels that he purged in under like three minutes mm. which my biggest thing is i never want to uh sell anything that will make someone sick right because you're you're supposed to yeah it's like i have that at least that much pride in my work where I was and i've say, had food you, you can't but, so what was the problem with purging the muscles really fast is like it, it doesn't if you've ever purged muscles when right. you're pushing them through the salt water that you make and everything the water will essentially turn to like mud that's how like dirty they can get because they're, they're essentially like filters for the right. ocean right and he did not purge them properly. he did not purge them properly and i told that man if you make me sell this i'm i'm going to quit and he laughed and he thought it was a joke and he made me sell it and i finished that day i uh cleaned my station up and then i just left and that was my last day wow damn that is pretty wild yeah i've i've had another friend who left uh he quit his job at wendy's because uh he didn't like the fact that they were staying open even though the water was bad oh yeah no that's there's there's a lot of times where I've just been like, why are we doing this if it's not like a guaranteed thing? Right. But like the the muscles one was just it was such a straightforward. This is not safe at all. Especially right. like I've worked, you know, you're basically it, giving people poor quality just because it's fast. If you work at seafood places, 
Yeah, you have to. You, you have to make sure because there's so many. You got seafood allergies. You've got like that stuff can go bad so quickly compared well, yeah, to yeah that's why a, a lot of it has to be flash frozen because it just doesn't keep yeah um what about you Ruben? um mine i feel like is not so righteous um that was like taking a stand to make sure he wasn't making somebody sick right which is my i don't know mine was just made me sad because it was a thanksgiving that i couldn't get off that i don't know i didn't right. i you just don't want to work on thanksgiving it was super it's slow the winery we were done, it, yeah okay. um but it was one i was serving because like right at least at least the year before when i was in the kitchen i was eating a bunch of cheesecake um that year it was super slow all day i i had to work all day uh and then like the few tables that i got were kind of just rude to me uh one i stood out was like uh, um it's there's always that old guy and the slightly younger foreign woman that barely (laughs) speaks any english and so i don't know she was the type of foreign that doesn't believe in tipping so like i don't know 10 percent on a thanksgiving uh that i didn't want to be at i was just like this is the most depressing uh i will say the most productive thing i got done that day was buy a sword for my roommate because <laughs> it was about to be that black friday so right. they started on black thursday or whatever uh, so that is what occupied most of my time or my attention, because right, just terrible, terrible. It day. just you know they made you work on a day where they didn't have any covers and they made you work all day. Yeah, it's uh, I don't know. It's, it's, it's like at that point, it's like what's the point of being open? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Someone real early in my restaurant career, um, it was uh, a chef from Ruth's Chris. Um, I didn't really think that was going to be my path, but uh, he was, you know, had a couple drinks talking about life, and he was like, uh, prepare yourself to, like, work every uh, major holiday, because everybody eats on those on those major holidays. It's the dark side of the restaurants. Thing. I mean, yeah, you can't. My my girlfriend knows you can't get val. We're not getting Valentine's Day off. Do you want to do it at the beginning of the month or the end of the month? <laughs> yeah. right. Same thing with Mother's Day. Mother's Day. Um, Father's Day is luckily slow because most dads just want to yeah, be no left at home and grill and, and drink a beer. Right. Yeah. Um, what about you, Eli? Uh, what was your worst day in the industry? I can't really think of necessarily a worse day, but I can describe, like, why I left one of the jobs I left, and it was the sandwich shop that I worked at, and I actually really enjoyed working there, and uh, the problem was, is after, like, a year or two of working Mm -hmm. there, uh, I had moved about, like, an hour away, so I transferred to another location, Right, and it's just like immediately it went from job I love to just like the management there, mainly just the general manager, just being such a like dick, just completely ruined the experience and made me just Damn. like flip like a job that I like to being something that was just like, bro, this shit is awful. Working so, with yeah, working with the worst people can really flip a job. 
I mean, that's that's funnily enough. It's like it. It's one of my biggest fears is that because uh, I might potentially be moving to like Tallahassee or Miami in the future, and if I stay in the food service industry and with this current company, I would if they have like a location there, like they'll mm-hmm. open one in Miami or whatever. Right. I'm worried I'll go there and just be like, damn. The, this management just makes me want to bash my head in. Right. No, absolutely. It really can. You can't, and a lot of companies can't guarantee that every location is going to have the same best management. Well, that was that was also another thing with the, the smoothie place that I worked at is a majority of the franchises were owned by this one dude. Right. And then the one that we worked was like, oddly enough, it was the least corporate but we made the most out of well the like region as i don't know we were the fastest and like everything i think we made like um 1.5 or 2 mil the last year i worked there at a right. smoothie place which is like $5 a smoothie we're pumping them out i'd say my worst the worst day i had which was at a place i didn't mind working at it was a seafood place and I liked all the managers that I had and all the people I worked with. It was Mother's Day. It was during COVID. And we were only doing to-go's. And we had gotten so many to-go orders that our entire POS system shut down. And people had to start writing tickets, printing out the tickets. And, like, because we're used to, like, looking at a screen and bumping stuff. And they had to, like, write down the tickets and verbalize to us what they needed. And we ended up, I think, making every single order we had already made twice. Damn. And we were there for super long, and we didn't have a... I I can't remember if we had a dishwasher at the time. No, we didn't have a dishwasher at the time, so, like, my manager was in the dish pit, and I had to go in the dish pit to finish it. And it was just... It was a terrible experience for sure it was probably the worst mother's day i ever had because we had so many orders that our pos system broke i mean i i can relate to that it wasn't mother's day it was when i worked with my brother my older brother at a steakhouse mm-hmm. and it was uh during slash after a hurricane <laughs> and you know it was a corporate place so we were open right and we didn't have any damage and none of the stuff so we they called us in and we went in and i guess someone had saw that we were open told one of the major uh radio stations of the city and so we were so we had a line out of the door with people in umbrellas because it's still pissing down rain right and it got so bad that people were ordering and paying for their food and just leaving because they didn't want to wait and I mean, it was terrible, but uh, we got to walk away with like four or five steaks that were already made at the end Damn. of the day. They gave us like a hundred dollar gift card to like, uh, I forget where it was, but you know, just for coming in. Cause it was, it was essentially a Monday's line. So like three people Damn. on a four station line. Cause we had people that were cross bridges, couldn't come in. Right. And stuff because the bridges were closed down. Damn. And, but yeah, it was, it was a terrible eight hours, but you know, we got free food out of it. I had steak and eggs for like three days. (laughs) That's pretty awesome. Um, I definitely think that we should definitely end the episode here. 
Um, thank you guys for being on the podcast. Yeah, I'd um, love to be on it again. Oh yeah, absolutely. I don't mind having any of my guests be back on the podcast, especially to talk about other topics in the industry or different things that have to do with it. Um, thank you guys for being on. Thank you to everyone who's listening. Um, rate the show five stars, or uh, I'll cry myself to sleep tonight. He'll do it. <laughs> uh, Eli hit the lo-fi hip hop, dude. Thank you.